We ain't even out in Turks, you finna take sand Riding around with F and then we like to hold hands Over two sip, die, he ain't need a bed Then I did the pint of tech in a cold red If I tell this bitch to pull her, she gon' mo pet it My doggy don't smoke on shit unless it's unleaded I don't back and forth over no net, so just gon' did it See me when you see me, if it's smoke, doggy, unleash it They been rockin' bitches Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 305 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to just hear me out. You know, the beauty about football and the beauty about sports is sports allows us to be, to, to, to dissect the moment. And I guess you can call it a beauty and a curse. It allows us to dissect the moment. It allows us to look at something, look at a win, look at a loss, and think to ourselves, this is who that person is. This is who that team is. And they can't get any better. They can't get any worse. I say it's a, it's a beauty and a, or it's a, yeah, beauty and a curse because the beauty of it is it's true in that moment. That moment, if that quarterback throws three interceptions, they threw three interceptions. And their interceptions could have cost them the game or maybe didn't. Or if that point guard had five turnovers and they lose the game, you can think to yourself, well, he needs to clean up on the turnovers or she needs to clean up on the turnovers because it's costing them games or it cost them a game. The curse is sometimes the moment allows you to forget some things and that is where we'll start of course we're going to talk about every game in the wild card round which we have some very exciting games but i want to start with the dallas cowboys beat destroying the tampa bay buccaneers 31 to 14 what we did and we as fans we as viewers we saw that washington game we saw what the Cowboys did against Washington and how bad they looked. And we thought to ourselves, there's no way those Cowboys, that same Cowboys team, can beat a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. And that's where the beauty and the curse comes in. The beauty is they're right. If that Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys played anywhere to the level that they played against Washington, they would have lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And and Dak Dak threw a pick six. The 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 Unger couldn't catch of punt. The, it, it was just so much wrong with the Cowboys that game against Washington. People started to think, well, there's no way. Dallas can beat Tampa Bay. And 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 to be fair, to be fair to people, it wasn't just that game. It was the fact of Dallas it's you want to come into the playoffs hot. And Dallas wasn't. Uh Dak Prescott led the league in interceptions. Uh, or at least in the regular season or tied to the league in reg, uh interceptions in the regular season. 
it just it just Tony Pollard wasn't healthy. It was just a lot that you didn't like about the Cowboys going into the playoffs. But the curse of it is that game against Washington allowed us to forget some things. You see, shouts out to Sports PSP. If you didn't go watch the last episode, I brought him on and we gave our predictions about the the wild card. And every game on the wild card. And when we got to the Cowboys and Buccaneers, both of us, me and, well, I don't remember if he did. You can go check out the episode if you want. Uh, but I picked the Cowboys to win. And I didn't pick the Cowboys to win because I thought the Cowboys were just juggernauts. I picked the Cowboys to win because what that Cowboys loss did was allowed us to forget not just what the Cowboys have looked like all season, but what the Buccaneers have looked like all season. You see, there's a reason why the Buccaneers came into the playoffs as the only team with a losing record. There's a reason why <laughs> There's a reason why while yes, they did host a playoff game. The reason they hosted a playoff game is because just how bad the NFC West or NFC South was this entire season. You see, I just don't I just don't take one game. I take a sample size. Now, yes, the one game does matter, especially when you get to the playoffs because it's win or go home. But I just don't take one game in the regular season and apply it to the sample size. Well, I put it, but I don't make that one game the sample size. I look at the entire season. You see, Dallas has been better than the Buccaneers all season. Even with Dak Prescott throwing as many interceptions as he thrown, even with him missing five games and having to trot out Cooper Rush, even with the injury, you know, Zeke in, or Zeke not looking like the old Zeke or Tony Pollard injury or the injuries on the defense, Dallas has been the better team this entire season. And nothing, nothing made me think that Tampa Bay or yeah Tampa Bay was going to look like something they have not looked like this entire season. You see I'm not going I'm not discrediting Dallas. Shouts out to Dallas. They went into Tampa Bay and they 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 beat Tampa Bay bad. I know it was 34 to 14, but the game was not as close as it it, it was just a complete beatdown. But that was that should have been expected. Because the team that we saw Dallas be this entire year compared to the team that we saw Tampa Bay be this entire year. Again, there's a reason why Tampa Bay is or was the only team in the playoffs that was under 500. Now, I'll give my predictions on the next round on Saturday. But now Dallas faces yet a, well, not yet, faces a completely different monster in the 49ers. So I'll give my prediction of that on Saturday. But I'm not discrediting this Dallas win. But what I'm saying is 
it was supposed to be like this. I understand that, you know, people don't like Dallas. Hell, I'm a Washington fan. So I try to be as unbiased as possible when talking about Dallas or talking about the NFC East in general. This was this should have been expected. I understand that Dal, you know, Dak Prescott is a wild card as far as how is he going to play. I understand the deficiencies that Dallas has, but I also understand that they are 12 and 5 for a reason. They they have leaned on their offensive line, they've leaned on their defensive line. They lead on their defense in general with Michael Parsons and and Trayvon Diggs and and Curse, who I hope he, you know, he got hurt in the game. I hope that he isn't serious. I know that Xavier Rhodes had to come in and play for the rest of the game. Um, but what we saw from Dallas is what we, what people should have expected. A team that is twelve and five destroyed a team that is eight and nine in in the most well in the game where when it matters the most, which is the playoffs. Shouts out to Dak Prescott, man. Dak Prescott, look, I mean, he 25 for 33, 304, 305 yards, I'm sorry, four touchdowns, no interceptions. That is the one thing that you can say was surprising about this game, pleasantly surprised, was that Dak Prescott did not throw an interception. I thought Dallas was going to win this game, but I also thought that Dak Prescott, again, it goes back to sample size. Dak Prescott leads the league or is amongst the league leaders in interceptions. So I'm thinking, well, yes, I do think they're going to beat the Buccaneers. I also thought Dak Prescott was going to throw an interception or two. I don't know. But so the fact that he didn't, congratulations for Dak Prescott. Uh, Tolly Pollard looked good. 15 carries for 77 yards. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 13 for 27, but it was a strong 27. It was a strong 77 for Tony Pollard. Uh, Dalton Schultz, to me, was was probably MVP number two of the game. Seven receptions for 95 yards, two touchdowns. The 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 tight ends were the big were, were the big standouts of this game outside of Dak Prescott. The tight ends really came big, whether it was uh, Dalton Schultz, whether it was Jake Ferguson. It, it, it was it was big. And I know Jake Ferguson only had one reception for 34 yards, but still. A team did what it was supposed to do. So congratulations to Dallas. Again, I'm not here. Take, I'm not trying to take away from the the win. But what I'm saying is you beat a team that you should have beat. Now... And again, this is for every team, not just Dallas. Now it gets even tougher because now you're going against a completely different monster, a team that is 13 and 4 for a reason in the San Francisco 49ers. And on the other side, again, it goes back to sample size. One thing that, which I understand. I understand it completely. But one thing that people like to do is equate. They want to blind themselves for what we're really looking at, because what they're really looking at is not. Is not what we're used to sometimes. People don't like to admit the moment because the moment does not tell a picture of everything that it's been. 
You see, talking about Dallas, we can say that Dak Prescott, at least this year, has been turnover prone because he leads the league in interceptions. And you can also say in the same breath, you are shocked and surprised that he threw four interceptions, 305 yards, and did not throw an interception because that the sample size proves he is turnover prone, at least this year. All I heard about this game was, yeah, but Tom Bay, Tampa Bay still has Tom Brady. Yeah, but Tampa Bay still has Tom Brady. You never want to count Tom Brady out. Tom Brady had the most completions of the year. Tom Brady threw the most passes this year. Tom Brady, top five in passing yards. Tom Brady, you you can never count out Tom Brady. In fact, most people pick Tampa Bay to win because of history. Because of the history that Tom, Tom Brady has and because of the history that Dallas has. This think this this is the first road playoff win in like thirty years or something, before I was born. But let's let's be honest about ourselves. This is and I say this all the time, or at least I've said this majority of this season while talking about Tampa Bay. Numbers do not lie. No, they don't. Numbers don't lie, but numbers do not tell the whole story. Yes, Tom Brady can be number one in completion percentage, or no, number one in in, in in passes. Yes, Tom Brady can be top five in, in passing yards. But what has that led him to? That has led him to an eight and nine season. And why is that? It's not just because of Tom Brady, don't get me wrong. The offensive line has been putrid due to injuries, due to people retiring. Uh, Jensen, he came back for the wild card game, and, and, of course, he wasn't able to look like himself because he hasn't played in 18, 18 weeks. But because the offensive line has been putrid, uh, the the running game, Leonard Fournette was a no – Leonard Fournette, five rushes for 11 yards the entire game. And Rashad White, seven rushes for 41 yards. That is a that is that is a microcosm of the entire year. Of an entire game. Leonard Fournette's five carries for eleven yards, averaging two point two carries a game. Or two point two carry carries. Two point two yards a carry, sorry. So when you when we talk about when people say well there's still Tom Brady on the other side they're not talking about Tom Brady of this year they're talking about the career of Tom Brady because if they were talking about Tom Brady of this year there was there should be no reason why people thought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should have won one because what have we seen from Tom Brady this year he has not been good. He has not been accurate. He has not been good. He has not been a top 10 quarterback. You know, we talk about Derek Carr. And while the numbers don't back it up, Derek Carr has been a better quarterback this year than Tom Brady has. The difference is, the difference is Tom Brady throws the ball a lot. 
but that is the Tampa Bay offense. And while yes, oh, and was he another thing that's different is Tom Brady didn't really deal outside of Chris Godwin being out, didn't really deal with their main pieces being injured like a Derek Carr did. And Derek Carr still had, in my opinion, a better season than Tom Brady. Again, the, the numbers don't back it up, but the Tom Brady that we saw in this wild card that missed much, he was 30, 35 for 66. He threw 66 times, 351 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Numbers do not tell the whole story because if you look, you say 351 yards. He had a great game. I mean, how can you deny that? Yeah, most of the 351 yards was after Dallas already had 27 points and they had zero. Dallas also, by the way, became the first team in NFL history to miss four straight uh, extra points. So, Brett Maher was trying his best to keep Dallas, I mean, to keep Tampa Bay in this game. And shouts out to uh, Ryan Clark and, and the NFL Live crew. Ryan Clark says something that is profound and that, and that you saw exactly in this game is that people don't retire because they can't hit anymore. They can't play. They retire because they don't want to get hit. We all know that football is a very physical sport, one of the most physical sports. And you can see a lot of a lot of the times Tom Brady was off because he was wincing. He was throwing the ball like he didn't want to get hit. He was throwing at the ground. He was throwing behind people, throwing over people. The 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 interception that Curse had in the end in the end zone was because Tom Brady was trying to throw the ball out because he was trying to avoid getting hit. Dallas dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Shouts out to the Lewis Riddick. He said that's what that's the only way Dallas was going to win the game, and they did. Again, the Dallas that we saw this entire year, not just against Washington, is the one that we saw against in the wild card. The only difference was Dak Prescott played better. Dak Prescott did not throw any interceptions. And on the flip side, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that we saw this year, defense for some reason had miscommunications, and and the offense, it's, it seems like Tom Brady just can't get on the same page with the wide receivers that he's played with for the last three years, and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, it it, it reared his, you know Leonard Fournette couldn't run the ball. The the teams that we saw this year is the teams that we saw on Monday Night Football. So now the question is, is Tom Brady going to retire? I don't think so. I think maybe a team like Miami, maybe a team like uh, the Raiders are his next, would be his next. I think that he's done in, in Tampa Bay. I think the writing's on the wall for Tampa Bay as far as with Tom Brady being there. And, and Tampa Bay definitely need, you know, has some things to work out. They have free agents. They have to figure out what they're going to do with. Of course, they have to get the offensive line back together uh, as far as rebuild it because it's it's not good. What are they going to do with their defensive free agents? You know, it's it's I, I just don't think Tom Brady's going to be there. But 
the question shouldn't I mean the question is asked is will Tom Brady retire I think the better question is should Tom Brady retire and after looking at this season after looking at last season the last season Tom Brady didn't look good either again numbers do not lie they just don't tell the whole story Tom Brady has not looked good these last two years and especially last two years in the playoffs don't get don't get it twisted. I know the numbers are gaudy, especially last year when the when he went against the Rams. But the Rams almost gave away that game. It wasn't like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took it. So again, I don't think it's going to be Tom Brady. I don't think we've seen the last of Tom Brady, even though I think it should be Tom Brady's last game. Because again. Tom Brady was never the one to welcome hits either. But now when you have, it just looks like he looked all of 45 on Monday. But shouts out to Dallas, man. Shouts out to Dallas for beating or winning their first road playoff game like 30 years or something. So shouts out to y'all. You know, fit matters. I I I had an episode about this. I think that was the title of an episode too. Fit matters, and it's not just for players. It's for coaches. It's for for organizations. Fit matters. People, we. We as fans don't allow people to grow a lot. That's why we're so ready to call a person that was drafted just a year before a bust. Because we don't allow people to grow. It's still tough for me to explain what we saw on Saturday between the Jaguars and the Chargers. The Jaguars beating the Chargers 31-30. to 30. Now, with me saying that, it does not paint the complete picture of this game. The Chargers were up 27-0. 27-0. I think this was the second or third largest comeback in playoff history. The Chargers were up 30, oh no, 27 to 0. Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions. And most of those interceptions, I think all of those interceptions were before halftime. You see, when I say fit matters, there was a there was a question you know, a lot of people, Trevor Lawrence was drafted number one overall, and he was touted as the next great, you know, blank, the next great Peyton Manning, like he had all the physical attributes, but a lot of people still questioned, I, you know, I'm not going to speak about a lot of people, I'm going to speak about myself. The question that I had with Trevor Lawrence was, Trevor Lawrence, I knew he was better than what he put on tape last year. And I'm going to attribute a lot of that to Urban Myers and, and the 
circus that was the Jacksonville Jaguar coaching staff and front office. It's very hard to thrive when you don't have consistency up you know, above you. So I'm not going to yesterday last year kind of has an asterisk. And this is why I say fit matters, because fit matters just isn't just, you know, where a player goes. It's who his players connected with. We'll talk about the Giants in a second. But you can see the impact of Brian Dayball. Hell, you saw the impact of Brian Dayball when he was with the Bills and, and the ascension of Josh Allen. And now you're seeing Brian Dayball and the ascension of Daniel Jones. Fit Brian Dayball quarterbacks. The question that I had with Trevor Lawrence was, can he ascend? And I think when you have so much turmoil that you have just a year ago, you need a strong, calming presence. And you need someone that can connect with him. You need someone that can unleash or can tap into exactly why he was drafted number one. Because when you go to when you go through turmoil, it's kind of hard to to un, to for, remember who you are and remember just the talent that you have. In comes Doug Peterson. You know, when... Which I can appreciate about... One thing I can appreciate about sports media is sometimes they understand, they see something that maybe the regular fans don't. Doug Peterson got hired at a time where... And, and there's still a constant fight for African-Americans getting head coaching jobs and how that there's not enough African-Americans getting head coaching jobs. Hell, uh, D'Amico Ryan, he looks like he's going to get a job soon. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, maybe, you know, the, we'll, we'll see. But Doug Peterson was hired when it was raging. I think he was hired shortly after, uh, you know, the... the um, Brian Flores situation like he was but you didn't hear a lot of people's like you see Doug Peterson does not deserve a job or he doesn't deserve a job over an African American now I'm not trying to make this racial what I'm what, what the only the only reason why I brought that example up is because a lot of people understood that this was a home run hiring for the Jaguars you need you can't go from so much dysfunction in in Urban Meyer to an unknown commodity. Like, how, yes, most people think that Eric Bieniemy is going to be a head coach, including or going to be a great head coach, including myself. But you don't want his first. You don't want his first job being after so much dysfunction from Urban Meyer. Or, or D'Amico Ryan. You don't want his first job to, you want somebody in that position that is solidified and you know is a good coach. In comes Doug Peterson. Now let's fast forward to this game, to the game on Saturday. The game on Saturday is exactly why you hire Doug Peterson. 
your star quarterback throws four interceptions, four, before halftime, you're down 27 to zero. Trust me. Do you want? There's a reason why I think it's the second or third biggest comeback in playoff history because it just doesn't happen. There's a reason why people killed the Colts when they were up 33 to zero and came back and lost, or came back and the Vikings came back and won. There's a reason why the people killed the Colts because you just don't see those type of comebacks. When you're down 27 to zero. After throwing four interceptions, usually it's nobody would nobody would 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 un, would kill you. They probably kill you for losing, of course, but nobody would kill you for for mailing it in and say, "Hey, this just wasn't our year. This just wasn't it." But because Doug Doug Peterson has such a strong connection with Trevor Lawrence, and because he was able to get in his ear and be like, "Yo." Those four interceptions is not you. You are Trevor Lawrence, a person that only lost, what, once in college, the only person that's never lost in high school, person that brought number one overall pick, the person that brought this Jaguars franchise to the playoffs. That is the Trevor Lawrence. I never, I've never seen, ever have seen a turnaround from one half to another that I saw Trevor Lawrence do. Trevor Lawrence, to go from... Four interceptions in the first half to four touchdowns the second half and 288 yards? I've never seen anything like it. That was one of the greatest performances I've seen, greatest second halves I've seen from a player. No, let's just say performances because he went from terrible god awful the reason why you lost us this game to the reason why you were drafted number one the reason why a lot of people consider you as one of the top five best quarterbacks in the league trevor lawrence proved a lot man trevor lawrence proved a lot for the those are one of those every every quarterback has that game every quarterback has that game where the doubters you prove the doubters wrong. You know, Patrick Mahomes had that game, multiple games where they're down and they've come back. Help! You can probably say Patrick. One of the Patrick Mahomes games was last. Well, before last year, of course. But hell, the Super Bowl was one of those games that he lost, and how he threw for like five hundred yards. Every quarterback has had those games, and I think that this is Trevor Lawrence's game. I it's again it's hard for me to put into put into words what we saw a quarterback have such amnesia that he just doesn't even remember the second I mean the first half and is a completely different quarterback so shouts out to the Jaguars and for the Chargers That game kind of show kind of put me back in my place. And I, I can only speak for myself. It kind of put me back in my place when discussing Justin Herbert. You see, I was one of those people that was ready to anoint Justin Herbert as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Hell, I was one of those people that 
had no problem ranking him top five. But I wasn't ranking him top five because of what he's done. I was ranking him top five. And I think he's one of the only quarterbacks that we do in the league ranking him because of his talent and because of his ceiling that he has not hit yet. I don't think there's any quarterback in the league that we we rank him by potential as much as Justin Herbert. Now, yes, I I like Justin Herbert. You know, Oregon product. I like Justin Herbert. And it's not just it's not just on Justin Herbert as to why the Chargers gave up the second, you know, <laughs> Chargers were on the other end of the winning side after having a 27-0 lead or a 27-point head start pretty much. But it, it put me back in my place, and, and it, it, it reminded me that Justin Herbert hasn't done anything. Yes, he's had some great throws. Yes, he's had some incredible moments. But Justin Herbert hasn't done anything. For me to say or to justify why I put him in a top five. Excuse me. He hasn't done anything. Trevor, you can say Trevor Lawrence has done something. We just saw him do something against Justin Herbert. So I wouldn't be upset if you put Trevor Lawrence in your top five. I get it. And what we've seen this year. But Trevor Lawrence has more playoff wins than Justin Herbert. And while I'm not calling Justin Herbert trash, I am. I need to wait to see him do something in the playoffs. And again, it's not just Justin Herbert. I mean, Justin Herbert, 25 for 43, 273 yards, one touchdown. It's not just him. In fact, he's not the he shouldn't have the biggest problem or he shouldn't have the most credit for this loss. He shouldn't or the most blame for this loss. But if you are the quarterback that a lot of people are touting you to be. There's no reason how you lose this game. None. None. Even if the defense isn't, there's been multiple times where Patrick Mahomes has had to carry the team because the defense just hasn't showed up. There's been multiple times when Josh Allen has had to carry the team because the defense hasn't showed up. There's been multiple times where Joe Burrow has had to carry the team because the defense hasn't shown up. There's been multiple times where Lamar Jackson had to carry the team because the defense hasn't showed up. So when you're up 27 points, it's not just the, it. you have to come big. You have to come, whoa, <laughs> pause. You have to rise above everything that's going on and secure that win. So it kind of put me back. In my, it kind of put me in my place in with 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 Justin Herbert, and, and and I have to wait to see. He has he hasn't proven to me again. He's the only quarterback I think in the league that we rank on potential. Like we're so high on Justin Herbert because of potential, and we don't really look at what we've seen. And what we've seen is a quarterback that hasn't won in the playoffs, and a quarterback that has been very inconsistent. 
Speaking of inconsistent, <clears throat> Don Staley. Oh, Brandon Staley. I'm sorry. Brandon Staley, not Don. Brandon Staley. I know now that Brandon Brandon Staley is likely going to retain his job. But when you lose, when you give up a 27-point lead in the playoffs, pretty much in the second half. Okay, in the second half, you give up a 20-point lead, but ultimately you give up a 27-point lead. And I think you rushed, you only have 13 rushes from Austin Eckler for 35 yards. That's a problem. You see, being up 27 points allows you to do things that you just wouldn't, allows you to change your game plan a little bit. Your game plan can then be, hey, let's run a little bit more. Let's milk some of this clock. We also have one of the best running backs in the league in Austin Eckler. Let's 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 run some of this clock. That didn't happen. For some reason, they kept passing the ball. Kept passing the ball, by the way, when your second best wide receiver in Mike Williams has a fractured back. Because you played him in a meaningless game and he got hurt. Again, <laughs> there's a lot of blame to go around for the Chargers blowing this game. But a lot of that blame, in my opinion, goes to Brandon Staley, the head coach. And it's not just his decision making in decision making in this game. It's his decision making throughout the season, going being as reckless as reckless can be, going forward in your going forward in the in, in the opposing team's territory with fourth and five, or throw <laughs> being up twenty seven points and rushing the rushing what you had like four carries the, the second half, four carries. Good. I understand how good Justin Herbert can be, but you're up 27 points. Why are you not running the ball? And while, yes, 13 carries for 35 yards doesn't seem like a lot, but you were were kind of successful running the ball. Why stop? Especially when you're up 27 points. So, again, I understand he's not going to lose his job or whatever, but I'm also confused as to why not. That's just me. I talked about Brian Dable, and I talked about his imprint on on quarterbacks. And we're kind of – if you want to know why a lot of people are putting Brian Dable as coach of the year, and I'm, I've been on the fence with Brian Dable compared to uh, uh, Pete Carroll this entire year. But I think I'm almost sure Brian Dayball is going to win because of Daniel Jones. You see, man, look, Daniel Jones had probably the the he had the game he had the he had 
the best game of the weekend. I mean, you go into Minnesota, a 13 and 14, and you are the best player. And you and you're on a team with Saquon Barkley. And you are the best player on the field. I understand how bad the Minnesota defense is, but Daniel Jones was the best player on the field. I mean, 24 for 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns. One of those touchdowns was, I think, a pass to Saquon Barkley. The other one was um, a pass to Isaiah Hodgins. That's another thing. Who would have thought that Daniel Jones, the one that was turnover prone, one of the league leaders in turnovers, playing with a wide receiver core of Isaiah Hodges, Darius Slayton, Richie James, Daniel Bellinger, and Lawrence Seeger or Kager, Kager, Sager, would throw 301 yards, two touchdowns, no assist, or two, two touchdowns, no assist. <laughs> Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Daniel Jones was arguably the player of the week. We're player of the wild card. And a lot of that is attributed to Brian Dayball. In fact, you want to know how big Brian Dayball's presence is? Look at Josh Allen this year without Brian Dayball. We'll talk about it in a second. And again, shouts out to Sports PSP coming on to the the program or coming on to that the the podcast an episode ago. We I, I don't know if he said it, but I know I said that this you know I have Clarity, a lot of clarity on Kirk Cousins. You see, there's not a lot of great quarterbacks in this league. There's not. I mean, what? In no order, you have Josh, Josh Allen, you have Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Lamar Jackson. Did I say Lamar Jackson twice? Maybe Lamar Jackson. Um, I'll just say those five right now. Did I say Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Hurt, Joe uh, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, um, Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I think about those five. Oh, maybe Jalen Hurts. But then there are quarterbacks. Then there are just okay quarterbacks. You know, you and and we've seen the best of Kurt Cousins. We know who Kurt Cousins is. Kurt Cousins is a formidable player. He's a formidable quarterback that can win you some games. And can lose you some games, but he's never going to win you the big game. He's never going to be the best player 
he's never going to be that quarterback that is going to be able, like like we said, Patrick Mahomes, like we said uh, about Trevor Lawrence, he's never going to be the, the 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 defense is not coming to play. He's going to pick them. It's even with Justin Jefferson, he, he Kirk Cousins is never going to be that person. I just I, and and when. Yards, uh, five play drive, 88 yards. 
This is that's what the bills are. But I'm concerned about the bills. Because again, while they did win 34 to 31 against the Dolphins, the Dolphins was playing their third string quarterback because Tua was hurt, because Teddy Bridgewater was hurt. And the, the Dolphins almost won. And a lot of it was because of Josh Allen's mistakes. You see, Von Miller not being there definitely hurts this defense. Tremendously. To the point where now the offense, while yes, it's a big play offense, while the offense doesn't have a lot of room for error. And again, kind of like we just talked about with Brian Dayball, you're starting to see the effects with Brian Dayball and without. Because remember, Josh Allen was one of the most accurate passers last year. Daniel Jones was one of the most accurate passers this year. Last year, Daniel Jones was, I think, the lead league in interceptions. What's the difference between both situations? Brian Dayball. Now, this year, including the playoffs currently, Josh Allen leads the league in turnovers, in, in interceptions. And while, yes, that's not going to that's not going to hurt you against a Dolphins team that is starting their third string quarterback. What happens now? I need to, now. What happens when you're playing against an offense and a defense that's better? Now you're playing against those turnovers can turn into points really quick when you're playing the Bengals. And while the Bengals, which we'll talk about in a second, have their problems, you know what their problem is not? <laughs> Scoring the ball. When you have Joe Burrow, when you have uh, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Samaje P. Ryan, Joe Mixon, them turnovers will turn to points really quick. Now, I also understand that you see some, you know, people are saying, well, that was a divisional game, so it's always going to be close. I, I get that. I get that. But again, it goes back to sample size. I think that's probably going to be the title of this episode, sample size. <laughs> sample size, Josh Allen, he has been turned over problem this entire year, and we saw that Sunday against a lesser team. Now, how is he going to fare against the Bengals? I'll give my predictions on Saturday, but, you know. And for the Dolphins, man, like, there's a lot of question marks. Matter of fact, there's one big question mark, and that is at the quarterback position. I think the defense is good. I, I mean, the offense is the Dolphins still have one, probably one of the best twenty-two, uh, a one-two combination of wide receiver with Jalen Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill, and obviously Jalen Waddle dropped a couple big passes on Sunday that could have maybe put them in different positions. Um, it's all about Tua. I, what, what? I'm not saying Tua is going to be tired and wrong, but we know with the injury history, Tua, you have to have. Solid backup. 
about the Bengals and, and their problems. Uh, the Bengals beat the Ravens 24 to 17. Again, you can kind of go back to uh, the divisional games and how they're always tough and how the Ravens defense finally showed up uh, when the offense did not. Tyler, Tyler Huntley was good though. Um, but Tyler Huntley, he had a Or 
And I believe wholeheartedly what, what J.K. Dobbins said as in if Lamar Jackson was playing, they would have won this game. Again, 17 points is the most points they've scored without Lamar Jackson this year. 17. And they lost. Now, yes, there was a 14-point swing with the intercept, I mean, with the um, with the turnover at the one-yard line, which I also agree with J.K. Dobbins. Why are you putting Tyler Huntley in that situation? Like, he's Lamar Jackson. Why don't you just give it to J.K. Dobbins? But um, I have Some of the some of the the posts that Lamar Jackson posts on Instagram and, and social media and stuff. To me, this is a this is the broken relationship. And Lamar Jackson, rightfully so, feels like they don't they take him for granted. And I understand again the side of.
starting to feel like you know the 49ers are Super Bowl bound. Like it's kind of destiny for them to get there because of how good they've been playing. And I said it when they made the trade. I, Christian McCaffrey kind of puts them over the top because it gives them a weapon that while they may not need to use it, and if they do, I think. Brock Purdy, Geno Smith, 25 for 35, 253 yards, two touchdowns. It's like, that's a good game. But then you go against Brock Purdy, 18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns. You also have Christian McCaffrey, uh, 15 carries for 119 yards. Debo Samuel, 13 carries for 33 yards. He also has six receptions for 133 yards. Brandon Ayuk, three receptions for 73 yards. But the, the, the 49ers, it's, I think it would at this point be a massive, and I understand how good they're feeling Philadelphia, but it would be kind of a, it would be a massive, uh, a massive uh, shocker, in my opinion, if the 49ers don't make the Super Bowl, or at least don't even make it, if they don't make it to the NFC. But all the questions that I've had of Brock Purdy is pretty much answered. Though that was the wild card breakdown. Um, again, on Saturday's episode, I'll give my predictions of the uh, divisional divisional round. And uh, yeah, let's move forward. So Jim Harbaugh staying in Michigan, and I talked about this last episode how Michigan will be foolish. But I hear a lot of people kind of talking about me. They kind of want to, they're kind of saying that Jim Harbaugh is kind of like the, the, the Brett Favre of, of college football coaches as far as he's going to do something. He's not, he's going to do something, he's going to do not. He, this is the second year in a row that he's, you know, open to going back to the league or it seems like he's open to going back to the NFL and then ultimately ends up staying in Michigan. And I guess I'll shoot him some bail a little bit. Um, when you're in a good situation, it's there, there has to be a reason to leave. Because if there's no reason to leave, why am I leaving? You see, while yes, I understand the expectations for Jim Harbaugh might not be the most realistic in Michigan. Look at the landscape of Michigan. Most of their players are coming back. They're still one of the top recruits. And if you look, Ohio State's, you know, C.J. Stroud's gone. What's Alabama going to look like at the quarterback position? I understand that the NFL's appetite, and I also understand that Jim Harbaugh probably wants to go back to the NFL. And I also understand... And I think Jim Harbaugh understands, yes, I want to do something, but why would I leave something good? Or there has to be a really good reason for me to leave something like this. And, you know, you heard him taking teams like the, the Broncos or teams like the Panthers. Like, I 
hear the calling, but whatever obviously we talked about in those conversations could not have been better than what Michigan wore at the end of the day. Maybe they just maybe they were lowballing. I don't know. But I do think that Jim Harbaugh wanted to go to go back to where he was real. But I also understand. I think he understands that. Yeah, I want to go back to the NFL, but there's no reason for me to leave if the package or whatever I'm getting isn't better than where I'm at. Trust me, I'm sure it's, it's very difficult being a college coach, having to recruit and having an uncertainty of what your team's going to be moving forward or year after year with the transfer portal and, and graduation and then people going to leave. I, I get that. Having to go year after year after year going to parents' house trying to convince them to bring your kid to my organization. I get it. But again, I also understand you don't want to leave something just to make money. And while yes, the NFL is definitely better than Michigan in some instances, in other instances, why would you leave an organ? Why would you leave something that you're good at? And why would you leave something as good as Michigan if the packages that you're getting from the league are, are not sufficing? At that point, it's like you're just leaving the league. Yeah. I get it. And lastly, before we go, I just wanted to shine a light on the fact of John Quill Jones, the former, now Connecticut star, uh, Connecticut son. She's also the 2021 MVP. She has is involved in three-team deals that's sending her to the New York Liberty uh, alongside Sabrina Zeski. Uh, this is what happens when you have a team that is good enough and keeps getting there, keeps getting close to the finish line and never finishes. You know, the Connecticut Sun, now you're seeing the coach is gone. Now you're seeing your best player, Jonquil Jones, she's gone. It's not just it's not just the WNBA, it's everywhere. I mean, look at how they broke up the 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 Bills team that went to four straight super or four straight Super Bowls. Or there's going to be a certain point when the, the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns, in my opinion, are bound for a breakup. They keep getting there or getting close to it. They just don't. Chris Hall. We look at Chris Paul differently because he never, I mean, he's been to the playoffs or been to the finals last year or two years ago, but he just never gets it. Connecticut Sun keeps trying to with Elizabeth Thompson and, and John Quell Jones. They keep on getting there. They just never finish losing this upcoming one to the Vegas Aces. I think they they definitely lost to uh, the Washington Mystics in one year. At some point, something's gonna occur, something's gonna give. At some point, the organization's gonna be like, "Look, something's not keeping up. I know we keep we keep getting there, but we're not making it." And this is no this is no shot to John Paul Jones, no shot to them at all. It's just the reality of what we're seeing. You keep getting the the Connecticut Sun kept getting to the finish line or close to the finish line they just never ran through the tape and now you're seeing a blow up you're seeing and, and yes it is a blow up yes a 
Elizabeth Thomas is great. Maryland product, shout out to her. But when you trade your best player, it's, I mean, there's nothing. No. <laughs> no. When, you, when your best trader player is traded, it's, it's a no. Like, yes, the Seattle Storm is good. You have, what, Tina Charles now. You have Jewel, uh, Jewel Lloyd. You trade Breonna Stewart. The Connecticut, uh, no, the Vegas Aces. You have Kelsey Plum. You have, But you have some great pieces. You trade Aja Wilson, it's over with. And that's what we're seeing for the Connecticut Sun. It's, it's over with for them. You trade, you trade John Claude Jones. It's over with. If I'm wrong, I will come here and say I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. So shout out to John Claude Jones. I think she'll be great in New York a long time. And bring you the best you can get you another piece. And uh, hopefully they'll be good over the home. And there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpacked Popular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. It, I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your own popular podcast merch today. Trust me, you will not. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Uh, any color, anything that you any type, you know, designs, any. I have a lot of colors. Also, please subscribe if you're listening. Please subscribe if you're watching. It definitely, definitely means a lot to me. Uh, but until next time, again, on Saturday's episode, I'll give my predictions for the divisional round. And much love. It's so clear. I got a feeling, nigga, really, that my money be the root. Look up at the stars, she like, honey, where the roof? Pull up in the dogs, canaries, they go on roof. Even once had a job pouring top on the roof. That boy had it hard, no facade, it's the truth. So now when I'm a nodger, get massage, it's the proof. Proofs in the pudding and that bacon, soda taking. Paper that I'm making, gotta take it, photos naked. Listening to niggas like whistling at Wendy Williams. I flip my middle finger, I'm chilling on 20 million. The rumors turn me on, I'm masturbating at the top. These souls so excited, so they catching every drop. I'm dodging debacles like potholes in Jamaica. We cut down the weed, bury the paper on the makers. Martin had a dream, Bob got high. I still do both, but somehow I got by. Treflo Prey, Mike Vick Pay, Bobby Brown Stray, Whitney Lost Way, Kimbo Slice on the pad when I write. That Mayweather money looking funny in the light. But who really cares? We just throw it in the air. Celebrating wealth, pouring more it in the hair. Excuse me, her weed, the blue is the weed. Trunk full of white cars, smell like blue cheese. That boy gets salad. Bow movements, BM dubs on them big things looking foolish. Shout it sitting low, big things popping. Tip on the clock from a trip up in Compton, shooting at the cops. 
fucked one time, I gave her to the block, I fucked one time, we boys in the hood and nigga your little tray, suppress your appetite, we taking your little tray, love my handgun but my chopper still a shit, banned in 1994 but I'm too legit to quit, 996 kilos was the shit but that was better than roofing, that shit be bad for your skin, niggas was ruthless, lord knows that I see him, but I thought about my future in the loops I could pee in, walked out on the gig and I turned to the streets, kept my name low key, I ain't heard from in weeks, I came up with a strategy to come up mathematically, I did it for the city but now everybody mad at me, motherfuck them all, they sweat for my balls, if I drop another album I get that for my dogs, 10 made bucks, everybody ride big, I just sit back like, look what I did. Then I bow my head and beg for forgiveness. Once I say my prayer, everybody back to business. Smoking on a blunt in my own restaurant. People looking from a distance think I'm Big Daddy Kunk. Reincarnated, spirit of a G. Beef will make you thinner, take a seat so we can eat. A Farrakhan aura, paws on the pork. You eat from the bowl while your dog need a fork. Niggas ain't loyal, snakes slithered in they coil I'm laughing at you cuz, kill you niggas when I'm bored We stepping on you too till the motherfuckers crush And making sweet love to every woman that you lust I love to pay your bills, can't wait to pay your rent Curtis Jackson, baby mama, I ain't asking for a cent Burn the house down, you gotta buy another Don't forget the gas can, jealous stupid motherfucker To another chapter, paper that I capture Caught up in the rapture of gunshots and laughter Homicide is human, nigga, you looking funny Women love to stare cause they know they see the money I open up a mind by opening bank accounts Deposit a honey stacks, break up, won't take it out Baby, that's a gift, maybe you can live I knew it wouldn't work, but I just like to give Used to run the street, young nigga, bare feet Now I'm in the suites and I'm eating crab meats Ice so ripe other rappers envy, they calling all my jewelers up, asking what it's spinning. Thinking about boss, not thinking about them. This a letter to my enemies, one I won't send. Amen.